0: Faith builder. Faith is the building block upon which everything else in our life grows. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Awesome. He is the only way, truth, and life. It is in Jesus, our faith in Jesus, where everything flows. We have an opportunity to add to our faith, build upon our most holy faith, and grow in faith. And that is my goal, to grow in faith. Thank you for tuning in to Faith Builder today. If you are blessed, subscribe to the podcast, share it with others, and consider rating our podcast. This will help us reach further than we could by ourselves. Your help in this is deeply appreciated. Faith Builder. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Hello, welcome to Faith Builder. My name is Scott Phillips, and we are continuing our series on tradition versus truth. Our first two videos discussed the tradition and truth uh, tension that is throughout Christianity. We discussed that Jesus said that it was through the tradition of the Jews. That their tradition caused the word of God to be null and void, to be of none effect, and we see in that uh, that 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 proclivity of humanity to value its tradition over and above the word of God to be—it's from 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 Genesis till today. And uh, we talked about the uh, the progressive. Nature of tradition to take us away from the original, and uh, that the Catholic Church, uh, in its in its uh, inception, uh, where they began to vote on what the doctrines would be and decide as a small group to to legislate what everybody else would believe, and that tendency to seek consensus and and uh, determine what is truth, not based upon what the Scripture says, but based upon what a committee of men or an individual says. Uh, Over a period of hundreds of years had so totally divorced the Christian church, Christianity of that day from the Word of God that the Catholic Church saw its its number one enemy, anyone who would translate the Bible into a language where the common man could read it because Catholic Christianity had so far gone away from Biblical truth that you can't, could not hardly even recognize what Catholicism was teaching based upon what you would read in the Bible. So they martyred. Burned people at the stake. They they killed people. They persecuted people because they did not want anyone to have access to the scripture that would expose uh, the the hypocrisy of what they were saying as Christianity. When in reality, in many ways, it was at cross purposes and antithetical to what the Bible actually stated. And so, those seeds of truth, people began to read the scripture and and in the process of. Con- textualizing what the bible says to what christian leaders and the organization was doing there was a great outcry and martin Luther he nailed his his thesis on the door and uh, there was the reformation was born and from that reformation there was this concept that that they wanted to reform catholicism reform what they knew as Christianity and and there were many different steps that took them away from the constraints of Catholicism but many of the doctrines they created were in response to the errors of Catholicism as opposed to being rooted in the scripture and so a great error in Catholicism sadly created great errors in what became the Reformation and uh, Protestant Christianity. And so here we are in 2021 and and many people are trying to figure out how to be saved. What do I need to do? And you could ask many people and uh, you could get many different answers. Even though everyone claims the Bible as their foundation, Many of the answers concerning life and ethics is not based upon what the Bible says, but what someone hundreds of years, fifteen hundred years, sixteen hundred years after the death of Christ, Christianity is being ruled and directed and 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 lived by what people long, long, long time after Christ and his apostles what they decided, and so. Uh, What I want to appeal to your mind and suggest to you that we should follow the original pattern that is given to us in Scripture, the Bible says that the church is built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. The prophets brought us all the way to Christ. Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. The prophets brought us to Christ, and from Christ... Christ gave us the apostles. And the apostles were commissioned to baptize and to teach the things that Jesus had taught them. And so we understand that the New Testament believers should be based upon what the Old Testament says to us and the New Testament says to us. Nowhere does it say that the church is going to be built upon Uh, the popes or Martin Luther or the church councils or John Calvin, Charles Taze Russell, Joseph Smith. The Bible does not give them any authoritative credence. The scripture tells us the scripture is the foundation. And as believers, we must seek to be believers that are believing in scripture because Jesus said, and I think it matters what he said. He said, he that believeth on me as the scripture hath said, out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. So I, I want to, to just kind of tie this up about tradition. Tradition is fungible, changeable. We can see it. The Catholicism, what Catholicism was in 328 A.D., It was different in 535 A.D., in 767 A.D., in 1099 A.D., in 1422 A.D., in 1596 A.D., and 1971 A.D. Even 2021 Catholicism is different than 2020 Catholicism. It's always changing in Catholicism. Oftentimes they're just adding stuff to it they they're they're assimilating cultural realities into the church and so rather than the church changing the world the world has changed the church that's that's the trouble with tradition and even today their major mainline denominations they are voting on what their doctrines going to be the scripture hasn't changed but tradition doctrines of men are changing constantly there's been all kinds of controversies in uh, the Episcopal church, in the Anglican church, in the Methodist church, in the Presbyterian church, in, in the Baptist organizations, and they're voting, <laughs> this is what is true. And, and those arguments are oftentimes in the context of current culture rather than being rooted and grounded in what the Bible says. That's the problem with tradition because it's fungible, it's changeable, and so a little little child being raised in a modern denominational church there's a good chance that what they're taught in Sunday school will not be the same thing that their parents were taught in Sunday school which would be different than what their grandparents would be taught in Sunday school not to mention what was taught to the original children by the first believers and and so I would appeal to your mind and consider it logically If the church is built upon the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ, the cornerstone, why are people being led to believe and do things that aren't even in the Bible? So here's the question. How did the first believers experience salvation? And I'm going to just kind of outline this. And uh, over the next few episodes, I'm going to try to uh, uh, unfold this and hopefully make this easy to understand. In John chapter 3, Jesus said to Nicodemus, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus's response is, can a man go into his mother's womb a second time and be born? And, and Jesus says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So Jesus said you got to be born again to see the kingdom. you got to be born again of the water and the Spirit to enter the kingdom. So there is this doctrine of being born again. Jesus introduces to us in the third chapter of John. And he says to him, Marvel not that I say unto thee, ye must be born again. And I want to highlight to you this concept of water and spirit because we are going to see a reoccurring theme of water and spirit throughout what happens when the apostles obey the Great Commission. In Matthew chapter 28 and verse 17... I, I, the Bible tells us. Jesus says, uh, uh, "All powers given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore, and teaching all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. For lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world." Amen. It's important for us to recognize that in this scripture, Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, Jesus says, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Name singular. Father is not a name. Son is not a name. Holy Ghost is not a name. Now, we understand that Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they are called the synoptic gospels. And what happens is they follow a similar pattern. They tell uh, in many of the same stories and the same parables, and there is little distinctions given in each one of these gospels. And, and the thing we have to understand, they're not contradictory; they're complementary. They add to the perspective. It's like a, a camera looking at a, at a at a subject from different angles. You get a fuller understanding of what Jesus taught because you have three different perspectives on that. So Matthew chapter twenty eight. It is covering the event just prior to Jesus being ascended. That's Matthew's uh, uh, an account. You go to Mark, the same account. Jesus says, uh, uh, Go ye therefore and uh, uh, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. If they shall take serp, up serpents and it shall not harm them, they shall. Uh, if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them, and they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And, and so the, the thing you have to recognize, it's the same setting. And in this setting, he says, in my name, they shall cast out devils, speak with new tongues, et cetera. Uh, just a point, uh, taking up serpents and drinking poison, that's not purposeful. That is in the process of doing the kingdom work. The example of that is Paul in the book of Acts. He's gathering sticks because it's cold. In the process of gathering sticks, someone he or someone cast a serpent that was like a stick because it was cold, and when it was thrown into the fire, the snake jumped out of the fire and bit Paul, and he didn't die that's the fulfillment of Acts sixteen concerning serpents. <laughs> don't tempt the Lord God. You don't jump out of airplanes and hope God lets you fly, and you don't pick up serpents just to pick up serpents. And so, uh, Mark says in my uh, shares where Jesus said, "In my name ye shall cast out devils, speak with new tongues, and lay hands on the sick." Those are three purposeful, intentional things you will do in the name of Jesus Christ. In Luke chapter 24 and verse 47, Jesus, uh, he, he tells them, he says, let repentance and remission of sins be preached beginning at Jerusalem. And he tells them, you know, Terry, the, the, the promise is coming. And so these are three perspectives. And in that, you you, you recognize there is an emphasis in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, Jesus said, "In my name, you shall cast out devils." And in Luke twenty-four, uh, it says, "In in the name that there would be repentance and remission or forgiveness of sins be preached in His name, beginning at Jerusalem." So you have these three accounts, and, and add to John's account where Jesus said, "You got to be born again of the water and the Spirit." Uh, the disciples are sent and said, go and tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And so they go, and a uh, uh, little math and a little study. They waited for about seven days. And, and the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, uh, and when the day of Pentecost, they had been waiting for seven days. Why were they waiting? Jesus told them to wait. Wait for what? Wait for the empowerment, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And there they are, they're waiting, because Jesus told them just before he ascended to heaven, go and tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. So they went, they tarried, they waited. Acts 2 and verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was full to come, they were all in one accord and in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Pow. So there it is. They received the Holy Ghost. And when they received the Holy Ghost, they were filled with the Holy Ghost. They began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Then the Bible says there were devout men out of every nation dwelling in Jerusalem. Parthians, Medes, Persians, dwellers of Mesopotamia, uh, etc., etc., etc. All these people, they were devout Jews. They were there at at, at Jerusalem because that's what uh, the, the Scripture told them. If you're devout... If you're a believer, you're, if it's at all possible, you come to Jerusalem to the temple, appear before the Lord three times a year for the feast of Passover, the feast of Pentecost, and for the feast of trumpets. So these same people were more than likely there at Passover. Passover was when Jesus was rejected and crucified. It was that same time. There were people in Jerusalem at Pentecost that had been there at Passover, and they had lifted up their voice when they were given a choice between Barabbas or Jesus. They chose Barabbas. And they, and they were asked, what do we do with Jesus? And they cried, crucify him. So they, Jesus is crucified. They, they no doubt see um, and they hear the story of Jesus hanging on a cross. They know that means he's cursed. But then they hear uh, the stone was rolled away. His disciples are saying he was resurrected. There, there's, there's miracles happening. Jesus is alive. So here they are back in this common place where they had been, where they saw Jesus uh, 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 crucified. And then there is this phenomenon. There's these they, these believers, these Jews there are they're local Jews. They're from Judea. And they are, you know, the locals. And so that they, they they are in this ecstatic religious fervor and they are proclaiming the mighty works of God in all of these distinct languages from where these people came from, people from Parthia and Medes and Persian. And, and there are thousands of languages in all these different places. That I think there's 7,000 spoken languages today, and there's fewer languages today than there had been in times past because of the homogenization of national languages. Many languages have died because of, of the way the world has changed. And so there they are and they hear these people and they're like, how do they know the language that my village speaks? They're Jews, but they're scattered across the world and they hear these locals declaring the works of God. And it's something supernatural because they are in awe and wonder and some mock. And Peter stands up and says, hey, these are not drunk like you think they are, but But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last day, saith God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And upon my servants and my handmaidens, uh, I pour out my spirit. They are, Peter's preaching to them and tell them, hey, this is supernatural, this is prophetic fulfillment. And from there, he begins to preach to them Jesus that Jesus was, in fact, the Messiah. And he concludes his message, the first gospel message, the first time that they are in a setting after the empowerment of the Holy Ghost, Peter, who had no doubt been weakened and unstable prior to, but the empowerment... And the baptism of the Holy Ghost transforms Peter. And he and the rest of the apostles stand up and they give testimony. Peter preaches specifically and he tells them, God hath made that same Jesus whom ye crucified, both Lord and Christ. He was declaring to them, Jesus was Jehovah and Messiah it blew their mind. The Bible says they were pricked in their heart and they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? Their response to the, the convicting message of grace that Jesus was Jehovah and Messiah, Peter looked at them. Now, I want you to get this. This is the first time anyone asked, what do I need to do to be right with God? What do I need to do to right the wrong? What do I need to do to profess faith in Christ? Men and brethren, what shall we do? And this uh, formula, this declaration, this conclusion of Peter's message preached there on the, on, the, uh, on the day of Pentecost. He said, the scripture says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission or forgiveness of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you and to your children and to all them that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words, he did exhort them saying, save yourself from this untoward So how did the first believers experience salvation? They were implored. They were commanded to repent. They were were commanded, every one of them, to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And they were told, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. He goes further and said, for the promise is unto you and to your children and to all them that are afar off. Yes. Amen. And so that's, that's the message. That's the original message believers were given that wanted to be saved. Now, I know a lot of people, they will go to church this Sunday. They went to church last Sunday, and they've been going to church for decades. And when they are pricked in their heart about the message of Jesus Christ, his crucifixion, and the blood he shed, they will say, what do I need to do to be saved? And what they are told is not what the first believers were told. What they're told is different depending on the tradition that is being formed on the building they're standing in, the preacher, what seminary went into. And and many times they'll be told, you know, uh, 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 accept the Lord as your personal Savior, pray the sinner's prayer, come toward the front, dedicate your heart. Uh, There's a a sign up for the the discipleship class, Uh, come and find out about our church. They'll be told all kinds of things. And the thing is, there may not be anything inherently bad about what they're told, but what they're told is not what believers were told in the beginning. And so here's the thing, if tradition's always changing, traditions don't agree with one another, how do I know what's really true? Well, let me ask you, do you want to be a part of the church that Jesus came to build? Because Jesus said that the church would be built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone. And if that's the church you want to be in, then you need to follow the directions that Peter gave those believers in Acts chapter 2. Now, uh, I want you to think about that. If, If you... Have not repented of your sins. I think a lot of people, when they they, they, they come forward, they say a sinner's prayer, they, they accept Jesus in their heart. I believe the, the extension of what happens is they are repenting they will go home and pour out their beer, throw away their cigarettes, uh, 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 trash their pornography. Uh, they'll change the things they're watching, and they will begin to try to live a better life. That's repentance. And a lot of people today that, that have a relationship with the Lord, they have a, an experience of repentance, and that is biblical. Repentance and striving to live a life that pleases God, that is a part of, of being born again. Jesus uh, Jesus told Peter, Peter whose name was Simon. Jesus changed his name to Peter, which means rock, and Jesus said, "Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it." And it's no accident that Peter is the one that preached in Acts 2. Peter is the one that preached in Acts 10. And and it was it was Peter who who set the formulation and laid out the method. And even the Apostle Paul that comes around later, he follows that same pattern. Read Acts chapter 19. There is a pattern, and the pattern is water and spirit. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And over the next few videos, we'll we'll kind of dive in a little deeper into being born of the water. What does it mean? What happens? What's the reality of being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ? Because I would say to you, everyone that was baptized by the apostles, every one of them were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in the name of the Lord. And no one was ever baptized in, in the formula of, of the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. But, and why is that? I would say to you, they understood what that name was, that there's only one name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And so they fulfilled the Great Commission. Every person that they commanded and they baptized, it wasn't in the name of Paul. It wasn't in the name of Cephas. It wasn't in the name of Peter. It was in the name of Jesus Christ. He who chose them to be the, 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 the hands and the feet and the voice that he built his church upon that is written in that historical holy book that that that, 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 in, that is in the middle of the Gospels And the epistles. The gospels is about the ministry of Jesus Christ and what he came out to do in his life and death and resurrection. The book of Acts, there is how the apostles fulfilled the Great Commission. And the epistles are letters they wrote to people that got saved. How did they get saved? You don't don't find how they got saved because those letters are written to people that are saved. So the epistles explain salvation. They unfold the benefit of salvation. They tell you how to live a saved life. But if you want to know how the first believers experienced salvation, study, read, dissect, and believe, and follow the pattern uh, that is given by the apostles, Peter and Philip. and, and, And you find it in the Jews and the Samaritans and the Gentiles. And even the Ephesians, we know how the first believers got saved. Not because what we read in the epistles, we read the epistles through the lens of the book of Acts. And when you read the the epistles through the lens of the book of Acts, it helps you understand stuff that they said to those first believers. So, in closing, have you been born again of the water? And of the Spirit. Have you obeyed the command Peter gave the first believers? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. If not, don't you think we should seek to be in the body as the original believers were put in the body? I I don't trust tradition. I don't trust denominations. I don't trust uh, other historical figures that put their voice and their opinion and their tradition above even to cancel out what the Scripture says. So, if you want to experience that original method, the original plan... to to be built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone, and you haven't been yet, send us an email, uh, visit our website. We will connect you, either whether you you live near us, we'll be glad to accommodate and welcome you into uh, a fellowship of faith that is standing for the apostolic message and the pattern the apostles gave. And if you're not local, we'll we'll connect you with someone that we know in your town, in your village, in your state, in your country. And and the Lord, we we will help you. We'll help you to be sure that you have a no so salvation, not based upon the Pope or John Calvin or Martin Luther or Charles Taze Russell or some other religious tradition, but that you can say, I experienced it just like they did in the Bible. And I can promise you, as Jesus said, he that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. And if you are not experiencing an overflowing Christian experience, I suggest it could be that you have not yet been born again, as the scripture has stated and explained. God bless you. Uh, There are more of these lessons coming. If you're interested in watching the other lessons, the links are available uh, on our YouTube page and on our Facebook page and on our website. So God bless you. Have a great day. Faith is the building block upon which everything else in our life grows. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Awesome. He is the only way, truth, and life. It is in Jesus, our faith in Jesus, where everything flows. We have an opportunity to add to our faith, build upon our most holy faith, and grow in faith. That is my goal to grow in faith. Thank you for tuning into Faith Builder today. If you are blessed, subscribe to the podcast, share it with others, and consider rating our podcast. This will help us reach further than we could by ourselves. Your help in this is deeply appreciated. Faith Builder. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God.